What's up, fine folks? Welcome to episode 13 Whoa. of Double Tapped. I'm Jay. I'm Tanner, and we're not like normal skyscrapers, because we didn't skip 13. Nice. Thanks. Just thought of that as you said <laughs> Wait, 13. is that something they actually do? Yeah, hotels, I think, notoriously skip floor 13. Like, you go 12, 14. Well, hang on a second. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. <laughs> the 14 floors, then just the 13. Yeah. Floor. I'm pretty sure, I, I think this is real. They build like a half floor of nothing. Oh, it's like it's an just, additional like support layer. Yeah, and I think I think it may have like some like service stuff and some maintenance stuff. But I they think, don't want people like resting and you know relaxing right. on the thirteenth right. floor. So Interesting. Thirteenth floor is a gap floor. I know I had heard of that, but I, I didn't know if I ever bought that. No, I've certain you're right in that it's at least a thing that has been said. Before. Has been percolated. Yeah, yeah. Tanner, I wanted to bring up. You mentioned your nose before. Yeah, I blew my the inside baseball. Blew my nose before we started because I didn't want to be stuffy on the pod. I've had some weird nose things going on. Okay, in, the, in like the last couple weeks. Let me in. So, allergy season, obviously percolating. Course, yeah, you, you're blowing your nose more often. Yeah, I had this like weird, like painful sort of. I don't know, like a scab or something. Mm. I know this is, you know. For all you, you squeamish about nose things out there, yeah. it's not the weird thing is that now when I wake up in the morning, I feel like it like I alarm wake up. Alarm puts out a warning. First of all, do what? When you wake up in the morning, alarm puts out a warning. Exactly. But when I wake up, it's like it's regenerated a wall that stops me from breathing. Not of like just phlegm, but of like solid stuff. Okay. Is it? But then I go blow my nose, and it just all comes out. Does it bleed? It's there's maybe residue. Is it just like a scab? I think so. Okay. And I'm just. It's probably a nose pimple. It probably or something is or something that to that ill. effect. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just weird because I wake up and it feels like it's just spent all night like rebuilding a fortress. Well, yeah, because well, you haven't just, been. Yeah. <laughs> blowing it out all day. Yeah, exactly. That's it. You're fine. <laughs> oh, I'm not worried. I don't know. I mean, I've suffered from. I'm a mouth breathing sleeper. Okay. Pretty much anyway. Usually, unless yeah. I'm like. Something has something has to happen for my nostrils to be one hundred percent clear. Okay, you know, like that's the weird. This guy always. That's stuffed. the weird state of being. Is it like I can like just exist in a state of perpetual nostril breathing? Okay. Um. So I'm used to sort of going to sleep, breathing through my nostrils, but waking up sure. mouth agape. Oh yeah, throat Drooling. dry, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I do that too. That happens. Tanner, what you been playing? <laughs> what a segue. Uh, I got back into, I've played some of the games we've talked about in previous weeks. Uh, Slay the Spire. I've now completed a run with all four characters, mm. uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more because uh, I know you've been playing some of it. That's all I've been playing. <laughs> but uh, I've also picked back up Dead by Daylight. Oh. Uh, just randomly. I think the anniversary is coming up. A couple friends uh, wanted to play it. I got back into it. I am fully into it. I'm I'm ba- I'm about as into it as I was last year around this time. For some reason, it's a summer game for me. Um, Question: Is that yeah. game crossplay? I don't know. I feel like if it's not, they've talked about putting it in sure. or it's coming or whatever. But sure. I'm I'm not sure because do you own it? No, I'm just always intrigued by like. I mean, as a legacy fan of like the Michael Myers modes that people sure. would play in Call of Duty, I like that style yeah. of game. It's really good. Uh, it it can be frustrating. Once you get to a high enough level, but that takes a lot to even get there. So, uh, I really like it. I've been trying out new killers. Uh, they put out a new killer since I last played called Trickster, who mm. is 
a basically a K-pop guy turned into a murderer. Cool. And his whole thing is he just throws. They're not exactly kunai, but that's kind of what I think of them as, just like little tiny throwing daggers. Uh, and he just throws a shit ton of them. Kunai like you, with chain. <laughs> Something that, Joey says Joey? in Yu-Gi-Oh. I was gonna yeah. say that's that sounds like baby dragon. <laughs> uh, but he just throws a shit ton of them, and like his thing is like a flurry mode. It's really fun. Uh, other game I just tried literally yesterday. The Steam sale is happening right yeah, now, yeah. and so I've just been trying little indie games that I've had my eye on. Uh, have you heard of the indie game or the mobile game Monument Valley? Yes. Ring a bell? I okay. Have. So the developers of that made a game called Assemble with Care. Assemble with Care. Which is you're playing. Oh, okay. Not a symbol. Assemble. No, assemble with okay. care. Yeah, like, like the on a box. Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we went two very different directions yeah. there. Uh, and it is like you are a repair person, you're a repair woman in the 70s. And you're in this, like, small, I think, British town? Uh-huh. But you sound American. Because uh, it is voice and it has, like, a story. But you're just repairing people's things for them. And they're, like, little puzzles. And it's, like, it's like those YouTube videos of, like, restorations and stuff. Yeah. I repaired, like, basically what was a Game Boy. I repaired uh, a telephone. Like, all this cool stuff. I'm loving it. It's so cute. The art style is adorable. Uh, and it's just a really fun, like, chill kind of take your mind out but still enough puzzle to keep you intrigued kind of game you saying that reminded me of when like Altair and Assassin's Creed 1 had like the most normal American accent ever (laughs) for an 1100s crusade faring assassin Anyway, is that all you've been playing pretty much? Uh, yeah. yeah, other than the stuff we've talked about before. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk talk about Slay the Spire that's pretty much all I've been playing. Have we mentioned what we're drinking? Oh, this is Cougar Bait Brewery out of country boy brewery sorry the drink the is cb and bait. cb isn't confusing easy to thing. mix up is the original one in georgetown kentucky uh yes i believe so i believe so so out of georgetown kentucky really solid um mid-america kentucky brewery yep and this is basically their standard lager but with a key lime twist i would argue now ryan geist we've discussed is my favorite local brewery mm-hmm. uh I would argue, though, Country Boy might make the best just standard local beer. Yeah, Cougar Bait is pretty ubiquitous around yeah. here. Uh, you can go to any pretty much restaurant in the middle of Kentucky. Yeah. And there, maybe, there, maybe their only local brew on tap would might probably be, be Cougar, Cougar Bait. Bait. Yeah. Um, so that's a little brewery history for you. Also, small fun fact, the now defunct studio that I worked for uh, did the branding. For well, the there you go. Yeah. Did you did you have a hand in that at all? Nope. It was before I all got right, there. there you but go. I did help export some files and make little ads and stuff. So, so you had a little bit. A little, a little, a little bit. bit. Slay the Spire. Yes. I've now beaten it with three of the characters. Okay, which ones? The, I've beaten it with the Ironclad. The first one. The Defect and the Watcher. Oh. I have yet to beat it with the Silent. The second one is the other one giving you yeah, trouble. Exactly. Um, and I want to talk about this a little bit because okay. I think that there is a meta strategy to each that I'm sort of discovering that works the best. Sure. And so, okay, with the Ironclad. Yes. I don't remember exactly the card that I was getting, but that I had two of them in my deck. But it was basically when... Well, first of all, the block never reset. So I could build up block perpetually. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that's that's a great relic. And there was, I think, another card that was like every time you add block, you do three damage. Mm. So I just stopped attacking completely. Yeah, that's a cool And I was just blocking forever, doing chip damage, but then they wouldn't even knock on my block off every time. Right. (laughs) Knock your block off. Like, so I would still have like 10 block and I would just build it back up and do little damage and like they just couldn't touch me. Yeah. Um, so that was the way that I broke through with Ironclad. 
Okay. The uh, the defect, which is the first one that I ever beat it with, yes. was who is the robot? If you if you've played yeah. and don't remember exactly how was they were. basically there was a relic that lets you get as many of the little orb slots as possible, which you can get yes. up to ten. Yeah, ten's the max. And basically, my strategy was just to fill that up completely. Which also did chip damage when you had lightning in there. Yeah. So it seems like my strategies are the ones where you can sort of defend yourself and let all the passive damage be the way you win. Yeah, you're kind of a you slow play a lot of things. Pretty much. Um, and then with the Watcher, who is the stance martial arts person, my strategy basically became never go into wrath, which is the double attack. Interesting. Strat. Okay. Don't even worry about calm. Focus entirely on getting into, and I forget the name. Oh, uh, the, the one that Divinity. you prayed for. Yeah. Divinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, my entire build is going to be focused huh, on getting in and out of Divinity as quickly as possible. Yeah, so if all of this is sound like gobbledygook to you, yeah. uh, Slay the Spire is a card-based, uh, I guess, action game, technically. Uh, but it's a roguelite, and you have these four main characters. You can play with any of the four. Uh, that last character has different, what they call, stances. Yeah. Uh, Wrath doubles your attack against enemies, but... Uh, doubles doubles their attack, attack, basically, too. Yeah. It doubles everybody's attack. Uh, calm, I think the only thing it does is give you energy when you get out of it. Exactly. Is that right? Exactly. So energy is how you play your cards. It's basically your stamina or your mana or whatever. Uh, and then Divinity, what is it? Triples, Triples your attack damage. And doesn't have a negative effect. And it, like, boosts up. like It, like, resets your energy. And, like, when you, to a when certain you degree, it, like, yeah. you could have, like, one move left. And you could get into Divinity and you back up to like six moves. Yeah. Like, I don't know exactly the way it does it. But yeah. I yeah. think, I, yeah, you're right. I forgot about the energy part. But Divinity is much rarer to get cards for yeah. than Wrath and Calm. So exactly. it's, it's uh, that build makes sense, but I think would be hard. Yeah, if it was you, sort of luck of the draw. Yeah, exactly. And that's the cool part of Slay the Spire to me overall is like you discover these builds as you're building them. And it's like, oh, I have a really good, if I could increase this type of card that I'm getting for this relic that I have. So relics are are things that uh, modify sort of just your overall character, effects of certain cards, things like that, just things that improve you overall through mm-hmm. the entire run that aren't cards themselves. Uh, so through the relics you get and through the cards you get, you kind of sculpt your own way through the through the uh, climb of the game, and it's yeah. really cool. And I would definitely say, I would say my broad strategy for no matter what character I'm playing is get as many relics as possible. Yes, like, oh, that's 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 a great the strategy The relic have, buffs yeah. that's are typically the best things you can get. Yeah. Um, some of them even, like, the ones that have really saved me are the ones that they revive you. Like some of them mm. outright revive you to like fifty yeah. percent health when you die. Um, but now I want to talk about the silent. Okay. And I want to formulate what my ideal strategy should be now. Okay. So because you had said the one one of the ways you beat it with the silent once was that you were just getting shivs left yes. and right, which yes. are attacks that cost no energy that yes. do not a ton of damage. Right. But you can get a ton of them. Yeah. Like if you play your cards right. Yeah. Um, nice phrase. My, I sort of was trying that. Yeah. But then in the process, I was discovering I, there are some cards that really buff poison when you use mm. uh, the silent. Yeah. Uh, and there are cards like explicitly designed that like all they do is give the enemy poison. There yeah. is a relic that uh, if you give the enemy poison, gives them like bonus poison, yes, like yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. I, that's sort of. I had one run where I made it to the last boss okay. with the silent, and it was what I would call a poison build. Right. Um, but just couldn't get over the hump of defending myself enough with that mm. one. Whereas with the si- or the first one, the ironclad and the defect, yeah. defense was never an issue. Mm. Because you could get defense easily with the ironclad because you that one build 
where I was like, right, I could just accumulate it, it. Yeah. And then the defect, one of the orbs, like every time it goes through, it gives you defense. It's right. like when you have a ton Frost. of them, you're just getting it all the time. Yeah. Uh, so that's the one. I'm having a hard time accumulating enough defense to mm. let the poison do its thing. What's interesting is that you and I almost play opposite. Mm. See, I the thing that will end my runs most is not having enough defense. Right. And it's just like, I play hyper-aggressive, where I want to do as much damage per round and just kind of tank hits, basically. Mm. Um, now, of course, I do defend sometimes. Like, there's the one boss, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but he's like the... It's like a skeleton with shoulder pads. Yeah. And it does an attack called Hyper Beam. Like I the think Pokemon I've attack. seen them all. Okay. I don't know if I've beaten them all. Gotcha. Okay. And it does like 51 damage, which yeah. is a huge chunk of your health bar, if not Big all of time. your health. Uh, so that... You know, certain attacks like that you have to defend, but like with the Shiv Dancer card, uh, which gives you three shivs, I've had relics in the past that... Uh, there's one relic specifically, and I forget what it's called, but it looks like funny that we mentioned assassin's creed it looks like the little wrist blades nice. and that boosts each shiv by like two damage so you, wise yes yeah, so you yeah. go from three damage to five damage or whatever it is that one's awesome and then uh upgrading like smite or smithing your cards at a campfire yeah that will take shiv dancer from three to four Ooh. shivs and that so that goes from like 12 damage to 20 damage whatever so that's a big thing um i think also on the on the last uh of the the second run that i the run of the silence that I won on. I also had the poison thing that does additional poison because mm. poison is a big part of it. But I just love. I tend to lead to lean toward in all facets of that game attacks that are zero energy. Like that's just something that always I'm always like, oh, it's free, cool. I lean towards just cards of zero energy. Which yeah, exactly. I was like reading like strats earlier, and I was like, people are like, I know it's appealing. Yeah, but it can bloat your deck pretty quick. Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, which. Uh, and you mentioned this, and that was something I was discovering as you mentioned it. I was like, yeah. the slimmer your deck, the better, as long as you have combos that you can sort of whip out every time your deck, your right. hand resets. Because you start with, I want to say, like six or seven, maybe eight, eight cards. It's Well, it's five basic attacks, five basic defense. Oh, it's 12 or 11? I think it's 12 or 13, something yeah, like cause that. Yeah, because you get like two or three special cards for your character, yeah. and then strikes and defenses. Uh my first move is always selling a defend. Sure. Like every Me, the first store I get to, I just sell defend like immediately. I think what and I, I usually, start just narrowing down those. Cards. I'm with you there. I think what I typically do is whatever the first card I pick up, if it is an attack mm, of some sell, kind, I sell, sell strike. Attack. I sort of yeah. go that route. That makes um, sense. Have you run into? This is just a slay the spire deep dive, I guess. Yeah. But have you run into the bite card? The oh vampires? yeah, I have. Have you gone with it yet? Once. How'd you feel about it? Not great. See, I hadn't tried it before I bought it or picked it back up on PlayStation, and I kicked ass with the really? vampire build. Yeah, because it was it's very risky. So the vampire build is you get rid of all of your strike cards, and I had it on Ironclad, which is a very strike heavy, like just generic yeah. strike heavy deck. And in exchange for that, uh, you also lower your health by like twenty six max health, or some percentage of your health, yeah. and then you get all these cards that do a little bit more damage. But they also heal you a little bit. Yeah. So it's like, you're going to lose main health, but if you can attack enough with these, you'll keep your health topped up. I loved it. I, yeah. But it is very risky. I've also died with it before. So There are only a few cards in the game that heal your actual health. Yes. 
uh, the typical way you're healing is by resting and healing at which, campfires. Yeah. But then that's a you know, it's an opportunity cost because you can't then upgrade any of your cards, which so is a genius little. It is like the quirk. the layers of this game continue to sort of reveal themselves. Yeah. Uh, do you what, do you map it out at all when you first look at yeah, the map? I sort of. I avoid elites, if at all possible. Interesting. I focus elites. Why? Are, I feel like this game has brought out, <laughs> has reversed our personalities in a weird so way. I know, it's so weird. Yeah, because I'm like sort of avoiding elites whenever I can. Um, Priority. I go for as many question marks as I can. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, because a lot of the question marks can give you some of the best. Relics. And there's a, a relic that makes it so that every... Because sometimes the question marks are enemies. It's a fight. Yeah, and it can negate And it can make that. it where it's never an enemy. Yeah. And then it's just... If you can map out one that has like four question marks, you can just get like a ton of cool well, stuff. Well, that's funny though that you mentioned that you prioritize relics because every elite fight is a relic. That's true. So that's my sort of strategy. Is like, okay, I'm going to guarantee myself relics here, here, and here. Let me see. Obviously, if I have like 20 health, I'm not going to go for yeah. elite, but... And it differs to... I especially... I'll fight one from time to time. I avoid them at all costs when they're near the boss just because I don't want to go into the boss with low health interesting yeah Um, I can sort of get through it and recover if they're early in a run but later in a run I'm like I can't do it favorite boss fight ooh that's tough I do really like the one that I've beaten twice now which is the the final boss that's or well the not the final boss I don't guess but the third world boss. Yeah, which is I've the, I've never done the final boss, which by is the like way. the crystal wolf thing. Yeah, it's like an ice wolf uh, that reses itself. Yeah, uh, is really cool. The one that's just like a giant donut and a giant triangle. <laughs> I looks, love that. It one. looks really funny. It's like dodecahedron and yeah. whatever the other um, shape name is. Yeah, I don't know. They kind of run together. I hate the 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 one that does the hyper beam. The like knight. Yeah, it's got some really annoying odd name. But um, they all have. I was reading something that like apparently these are all like. Or you could interpret it as they're like teenage characters at like a high school, like in a weird <laughs> way. And like huh. he's like a jock, or like, I don't know. It's that's that's interesting. Apparently, there's some interesting fan theories about this game. This world, um, yeah, makes sense. I'm like just, I don't know. I'm. It is perfect for what I'm looking for right Good. now. I'm glad, I can't, I'm, I'm glad you gave it a shot because I thought you might like it. Yeah, but. which is where you're sort of. What was the game we? Well, Hollow Knight was when we were talking about. Where like yeah. a game that. You didn't know if I would. It would hit with me, but it. But did. it was so good. This I had is to recommend absolutely it. another one of those. So oh, I'm good. Like, you're you're. What's the game? Is there a game that you've recommended in between now and then that didn't hit? For me, I'm not sure. Because I'm like you're you're batting. A, you got a high batting average right yeah. now. Yeah. Maybe did I recommend Super Hot? I feel like I did. You did. Uh, or I don't know if you were like you gotta play Super Hot, but yeah. you're like I've, Super I very Hot's rarely cool. pull out the you gotta play. Yeah, I feel like that's an important thing. To and keep. Super Hot is cool. It is cool. But it's yeah. one that I'll probably never really play again. Sure. Uh, but this one is, I'm amazed at how many hours I've already put into it. It's yeah, like, and like again, I, basically those kind of games are the ones that are on PlayStation now, and I know you can download for free. And yeah. I'm like, hey, give this a shot. You'll exactly. like it. Uh, my favorite boss, I would say the easiest boss is the slime. Yeah. Because you can attack it to split it and stop its attack. Now, I, there is a sort of meta strategy to the slime, which is that you want to... So when it gets to half health, it splits. Yes. And then that's a layer, a level, and then it can split again. Yeah. And that's as far as it can go. Yeah. You want to get... A, you either want to kill it at a level before it splits, yeah. or you want to get it to as weak as possible when it splits, because when it splits the two that it splits into have the amount of health that, that you it left it at combined. before. Yeah. So if you have it right at half and it splits, those are going to be as high health as possible. Right. So like you could get it all the way down and then you could just get them with 
little hits. But the last run I did on stream, I killed the slime in the first phase, and I was very proud. I think I did that once. I did like seventy four damage, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's yeah. awesome!" Oh yeah, I've I never did done because that before. there's a. <laughs> This, we're getting into such the minutiae. <laughs> I know. Um, I said it was a slight, slight, but there is a question mark level that's like you get three options where you can get like you basically risk reward options, and one of them is fight a boss from, from the level one, level one get and a get relic. a relic. Yeah. And it was that one, and I was strong enough in that one that I was able to kill it in one go. That might be my favorite question mark because uh, I think there are several that it can be because I think I've seen more than three. Yeah, but one of them is yeah, fight a level one boss. This is in level two. Fight a level one boss, obtain a relic, which by the time you're this far in level two, you're probably pretty strong against level one boss. Uh, one is like gain 9,999 gold, but yeah. I forget what the, the trade off is. And then, or maybe it's like gain 909 or gain that much gold, but you can't gain any more gold throughout the run or something like that. But they're all very high stakes, and yeah. I, I enjoy that kind of thing. Wonderful little game. Yeah, it's great. Tanner, shall we move on to the news? Mm-hmm. Not a ton of r- what I would call actual news. Okay. But some Post interesting... three makes sense. Some interesting stuff percolating okay. uh, behind the scenes. Second time we've used that word. The first one. I don't know if you saw this. Okay. This excited me because apparently this just happened yesterday. Okay. I probably didn't then. Uh, there was a rumor that a mini sequel to Ghost of Tsushima may be in development and may release this year. Oh, interesting. The rumored title is Ghost of Ikishima. Okay. Uh, And the Twitter leaker, apparently this guy has come out with some accurate stuff before, is S-H-P-E-S-H-A-L underscore Nick. All right. So feel free to check him out if you're that interested. (laughs) Um, But apparently the rumor is that this is a Miles Morales-esque mini sequel. I was going to ask scale. To Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. This excites me. Yeah, me too. You know, it's another thing to bolster the first party platform on PS5, which, you know, at this point, if they're not going to do, especially because we still don't know if Horizon doesn't come out this year, which we still don't know, they need something like this. They do. Yeah. That's, it's, it's the perfect compliment, uh, and I even think with Horizon, if Horizon does come out this year, I don't think they would counteract each other. Sure, in any no, way. I agree. Um, I was I'm glad it's Miles Morales, or at least we think it's Miles Morales size, as opposed to because when you first said it, my brain went, uh, was it called Infamous First Light? First Light is the it was like the expansion kind of DLC kind of thing. That one is maybe the most in between being a standalone right. and a DLC and that I've ever punch seen. Again. So I was like, is that what they're going to do? Which, I mean, that'd be fine. I would play the it. First Light was really good. Um, I never played First Light. Weirdly. It was fun. But I liked that character. Fetch? Fetch, yes. I don't know how I remembered that <laughs> yeah, name. That's good Good on you because I probably wouldn't <laughs> have been able to pull that out. Just uh, like. But yeah, that character was probably the coolest part of uh, Second Son. Anyway, this excites me. I still need to finish Ghost of Tsushima. That's what uh, I thought you still hadn't finished it. Yeah, I still... But, I mean, that game is always one of those games when I'm going to get the edge for it, I'll be like, ah, cool, and I'll go finish it. Yeah, that's and fine. it's another one that's, like, not an overbearing platinum, so it's mm. one of those that's like, oh, you go back and say, oh, I haven't got this platinum yet. It would be a really good one for that. Yeah, perfect. Uh, the next story. This is another one that... Wait, this is more like the story is real, but we don't know what the story is yet. Okay. EA is reportedly set to announce the comeback of a fan-favorite franchise. Right, I did see this. At EA Play in July. Dead Space? It's got to be Dead Space, right? That's what everybody's thinking. That is what most people think. I saw someone that was like, Skate, but then everybody was like... Skate's already announced. That's the thing. It's like, would they be bold enough (laughs) to treat the Skate announcement that happened as so 
you know, minuscule that they would be willing to call this a re-reveal. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think they would do that. No, I don't think you would tease this if all you had was skate. Yeah. And I mean, skate's great. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I can't wait. But you wouldn't skate. tease this. No. Um, and I've never touched any of the Dead Space games. Nor have I. Um, however, I know those games have a very fervent following. Yes. Um, of, and it does seem like if there was a horror franchise, I'm sort of inclined to try. Yeah. Something about the third-person shooter sci-fi-ness of it Building is sort of weapons. appealing to me. Yeah. Uh, the visuals have looked really cool. I, Dead Space 3, I remember when it came out, it was like, this game looks really good. Yeah. looks really cool. I almost bought them because they're on the Steam sale right now. Uh, but I remember specifically watching Andrew beat Dead Space 3, I want to say. He's the biggest Dead Space fan that I know. Yes, and uh, I would love this announcement to happen just to see his reaction. But I... Yeah, it's it's one of those... Th- uh, it's a series that is horror enough, but not so horror that I can't get into exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, which I think is the perfect middle ground. Uh, you know, some people would say, like, Last of Us is that limit. I'm probably... I can take a little more horror than that, but not too much more. I don't yeah, want to play, like, Visage. Yeah, I can maybe take a smidge more, but... Yeah. There are parts in Last of Us that... Specifically Last of Us 2. <laughs> yeah, Last of Us true. 2 had some terrifying moments. I don't know. That might be a discussion for another day, but mm. I, I still think that, like... The initial like subway sequence in Last of Us. Oh one, yeah, like certain times. That's, that, oh, that's the one I went to for oh, the one man. for sure. Brutally scary. Just clickers in general. Is there any other EA franchise you think it could be? This was a, I couldn't even conjure one up. <laughs> I mean, Peggle. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's, they wouldn't. I, phrase would, it I don't this know way. that I would call people that a would fan be, favorite. People would be so disappointed if it was Peggle. But just the level of discrepancy Trolly. between their reaction and our reaction. That's true. That's true. We would be very excited I would, for it, dude. I mean, I would much rather have Peggle than Dead Space. <laughs> Me too, <laughs> you know? it's sad. I hate that it's true, but it's absolutely true. Let's see if there's anything. Look at EA properties. EA Electronic Arts. Yeah, I was just trying to think of the t- street. I was going to say, actually, well. That's actually relatively viable. It. Yeah, because they have an NBA license and nobody plays NBA Live. So that would be a good way for them to bring. I would lose my shit. If they brought back NBA Street, I'm not even going to go deeper than that. But I'm saying if it's if it's one of those three, if it's Dead Space, <laughs> Peggle, a, Peggle, or a Street game, I'm happy. I'm going to lose. Yeah, I'll be very, very if happy. If it's not, it better be something cool that I didn't think of. If it's something weird, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> now, I I heard this about Dead Space like literally to, uh, a couple days ago on Twitter. Uh, apparently, with the Dead Space Three DLC, they literally destroyed the earth cool and so they basically said like the developers like oh we can't make another dead space game fuck you and destroyed the entire so i don't know how they're gonna retcon that if it's a prequel or what but that's really funny that dead space take place on earth well they destroyed whatever the solar system or something they destroyed the the setting just be on a spaceship i don't know i didn't play him i didn't either the one of the reasons that i am scared to play dead space though i think it's dead space one is there is a scene with an eyeball oh. that I have seen little snippets of, and I have a big you eyeball a thing. phobia thing. I don't like it. I would have to close my eyes for that part, I think. But yeah. apparently it's brief, so yeah, I think I can get through you it. You ever seen a Fire in the Sky? No. Is that the movie? Yeah. The alien abduction movie? No. no. I don't know. If, I don't even know if I know what this movie is. Really? Yeah. When did it come out? Sidebar. In the 90s? I think Fire early in the 90s. Sky. Let me make sure this is tight. Because this is... I'm not going to show you please don't 
but I'm going to describe to you yeah, what you can, happens. Yeah, you can read it out. I'm, Let me see. Fire. I won't be squeamish. Well, I might be a little squeamish about the description. I just want to make sure I've got the movie. Yes. Okay. Fire in the Sky, 1993. Okay. Uh, Predates me by two so years. So this is like the basically what the, like based on a true story of these two dudes who were like abducted by sure. aliens. Okay. And it's a very straightforward, like they wake up on the spaceship and they're sort of like, what the hell happened mm. here? Yeah. Uh, the dude's walking down like a, or he might've been floating obviously cause it's zero G yeah. um, through like a hallway <laughs> and they're like just a bunch of shoes. Like, Oh, that's through, cool. You know, that's creepy. But so then the aliens and they're very stereotypical, like tall, gray, big heads. Yeah. But ca- creepy enough looking, but not super creepy looking. Yeah. The scary thing is that they take this guy, they put him on like an operating table. Okay. Uh, and I think they like you know sort of put restraints on him, oh, but that's not enough because he's like yelling and like writhing around. They lay this thing on him that looks like it kind of looks like rubber slash skin material, but like a very thin layer. Okay, completely lay it over him, and they press a button, and it like suctions him to this table. So oh, it's he like he's vacuum sealed. Exactly. Okay. And then so you you see him sort of barely writhing under it. Yeah. They cut a hole so he can breathe. Right. And then they cut a hole here. Over his eye. And then you just... And you don't actually see what happens, but the tease of it is enough. A giant ass needle just Uh, starts like very slowly uh -uh. coming down. And you just... Uh -uh. And then it shows the dude's face like reacting to seeing it coming. Then it cuts. At least it cuts. Yeah. If Um, it were fucking like Ari Aster or somebody, they would just show it. (laughs) Exactly. So... And then it cuts to like them like back on Earth, but like traumatized by the experience, you know? I hate it. Apparently it's genuinely like... One of those scenes, like if you watched it when you were young enough, it stuck with oh, you and I would will imagine like never leave it's your sticking conscience. with me right now. Yeah, and I've watched it and I'm like, this is, this is gnarly. <laughs> and I certainly don't like it. Are but. the are the aliens a metaphor for the Nazis because of the shoes? <laughs> That's a th- anyway. Maybe who knows? But I guess because it's a, a true account, you know, unless they base it on it, yeah. I did air quotes for the audio listeners. It might be the account of someone who is crazy, but we'll never know. Sure, yeah. Next and last (laughs) story. Pregnant beer pause by Uh both of us there. Now, Tanner, I'm sure you've seen something from this. Okay. But it is what I'm just dubbed the blue box conspiracy. What is going on with this? Have you read much about it? All I've seen is there. No. Pretty cool. much, pretty much no. Okay, because I'm gonna go and I'm gonna read you the list of like. Please do because the evidence. It was one of those things that I was like, should I get deep into this? And I'm like, I don't have the brain capacity today. And then it just it was the next day and I forgot. So I said, I said the blue box conspiracy colon to Reddit <laughs> because that is where this sort of lived and the biggest posts. It was on r slash gaming leaks and rumors. All right, rumors spelled the British way. Oh, oi. So here are all the possible hints that Blue Box Game Studios is related to Kojima and Silent Hill. Right. I heard that it was Kojima related. That's all I've heard. And dude, there's a lot. And it's not all, like, good evidence. Some of it is very, like, thin. Yeah. But it's still fun. Okay. It reminds me... Do you ever remember the people talking about the Lincoln assassination and the Kennedy assassination, like, all the weird similarities between yeah, them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that like, sheet oh, of... Yeah, oh, exactly. Uh, yeah. It reminds me of that. Yeah. So this post is from user... Aid this fellow user. Hey. Ten days ago. I think I might be a believer. There are several points that hint towards Abandoned, which is the game that is announced from this indie studio. 
Right. Okay. Being Silent Hill and Blue Box Studios being actually a studio opened by Kojima. I've tried to compile all the ones I could find for the moment. So this is a long list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Hideo Kojima used a fake studio when teasing both Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Paint, and PT. The one for PT was named 7780 Studio, and the one for MGS5 was from Sweden. (laughs) (laughs) Was from Sweden. Abandoned received a short teaser trailer on the PlayStation YouTube channel alongside a blog post hinting for a release later this year. Silent Hill's composer also teased a new game reveal for summer 2021, which was shot down by Kojima. Okay. The animated PS Studios logo that plays ahead of a first-party game <laughs> glows blue for a moment, creating a blue box. <laughs> All right, that one's bad. Let's see. I'm it's skipping just, some of these. Their brand like, color. So I love it though. I'm not. I'm not criticizing you. I just. I like. Oh this. no! Yeah. Kojima recent tweet with words "silent" and "hill." <laughs> <laughs> New Silent Hill merchandise will be released at the Konami store, which right. I mentioned you, to you last week yeah, when I was here. You signaled that one early. There are no saved trademarks for Blue Box Game Studios. That's weird. There are now saved trademarks for Blue Box Game Studios, I would assume. Blue Box Game Studios YouTube banner is a bunch of hills. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, The Blue Box Game Studios logo is basically the PlayStation Studios logo colors inverted. Okay. Blue Box is a term used for phone scams. Is it? I don't know. Never heard it before, but... I mean, again... What does that mean in the context of this? <laughs> that it's fake. Like, it's a scam. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, it's fraudulent. Employees at company LinkedIn profile use stock photos. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a good Is one. It, uh, I like that one. We're get, And there's a lot, like... That's really good. So Why would you fake a LinkedIn, though? That's wild. We'll, we'll get into the, the man himself that might be behind all this here in a little bit. But okay. Let's see... Jeff Keighley follows the studio on Twitter and Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Keighley confirmed that he is in talks with Blue Box and will help them promote their game. Interesting. In the abandoned trailer at the 49 second mark, the letters P and T are covered by trees. Interesting. See, that's the kind of shit. We're get, Kojima dude. would do this kind of thing. <laughs> a couple months later, Blue Box Game Studios revealed that Abandoned would get its own PS5 app. What? Which would let players run the game's trailers in real time on the PS5. This is a curiously specific thing that not even first-party PlayStation yeah. Studios games have done. So it raised some eyebrows that this unknown game studio would be the first to pioneer a- this agreed. feature. Agreed. Another game that got a console application as a teaser for an upcoming release but was later abandoned was PT. Oh. The Twitter handle for Blue Box Game Studios is at BB Game Studios, which is apparently <laughs> a possible Death Stranding reference. Okay. Sorry, my brain went somewhere completely different with that acronym. Let's see. Blue Box tweeted in one of their tweets that their game would feature, quote, snowflakes of blood. This was apparently used in some PT teasers. All right. Blue Box Game Studios appears to have been founded in 2015, exactly one year after the release of PT, and right around the time Kojima was going through his breakup with Konami. Hmm. Mm. Blue Box Game Studios' only other game named The Whisperer was completed by another studio, and its icon is a black handprint, just like in Death Stranding. 
<laughs> One of their canceled games named Lost Tapes is apparently a soundtrack in Metal Gear Solid 5. All right. Sam in the new Death Stranding director's cut trailer uses a backpack with the Netherlands logo. Blue Box Studios is supposedly based in the <laughs> Netherlands. So the guy that is the head of this studio yes. is named Hassan Karaman. Okay. Cool initials name. HK. <laughs> Most of the tweets made by Blue Box are at a strange local time hours of around 3 a.m. In Japan time. The studio is claimed to be located in the Netherlands. Kojima is located in Japan, which is seven hours ahead in time. Okay. Hassan Karaman has an account on PSN, Sneaky Warrior, with a total number of trophies, 1,238. Okay. The same for the Japanese Silent Hill commercial. I don't really know what that means. What? (laughs) Hassan had a YouTube channel, or has a YouTube channel, called... 27 spelled out and then 27 the number. Okay. Silent Hills was canceled on April 27th. All right. Sneaky Warrior, Karaman, played a game that isn't available on the PS Store that is using Siren Head as an image. I don't know who it is. Siren Head is a Metal Gear Solid villain, I want to say, right? Isn't that right? Junji Ito reacted to Siren Head a few months ago and implied about working with Kojima. Hmm. Hideo translated from Japanese to Turkish means Karaman. <laughs> oh, shit. Which is the last name of San Karaman, the head of Blue Box game. Both of these names mean hero in their respective languages. Hmm. Hassan Karaman does have an Apple App Store profile with a bunch of low-quality asset flip games under his belt. The only app that's not a game is called GoFit XL, which sits under the health and fitness category. <laughs> The description of this app says at one point, personal training, parentheses, PT programs. <laughs> that one's awesome. Also, Siren Head is not a Metal Gear Solid villain. It's some horror thing? Yeah. It sounds more like, wait, Siren Head. Could it? I don't know. It makes me think of the Bioshock Infinite guys. True. It makes me think of Resident Evil villains. Apparently it's this. I don't like that. I don't like it either. It's just a thing with what's the is it uh, mantis is one of a metal gear solid thing but i was picturing like a gas mask or something maybe that's i don't know i don't know metal gear solid, metal gear solid me neither that's the list according to reddit shout out to that user again yeah for compiling uh, all that, that was a great list um, uh jason schreier has apparently talked to hassan hassan karman is a real person okay but it's just or at least an actor right <laughs> So, so what did Schreier say? Let me, I'll find it. Because I saw his tweets referring to this, and I was like, "What's going on?" And that was when I was like, "I can't do this today." Yeah, because his he seems to be coming down on the like assumption that this is all just a wild coincidence, and yeah. that this guy is sort of getting swept up, and it's going to suck for him when it ends sure. up being that his that game does suck. But I mean, great free press. Yeah, that's true. Let me see. I'm digging back on Schreier's Twitter here. Okay. Shire said, seems pretty clear that this isn't some grand conspiracy. It's a guy who promised too much, got more attention than he ever thought he would, thanks to a string of wild coincidences, coincidences, and is now in way over his head. Oh, that uh, kind of sucks. And I don't know if maybe he didn't actually talk to him, but that's sort of Shire's take on the situation. Yeah, and I saw it was a video uh, from a guy. And you can go to Blue Box Game Studios. It's at BB Game Studios where the guy is sort of talking. 
But there have been more, and this is something I saw separately. Okay. Apparently on the YouTube channel to promote the game. Yeah. There was a countdown. Apparently they were going to show like a new trailer or something. Right. Uh, and the game is very, it seems to be like, you know, first person horror pretty right. much. Um, set in like a forest. Countdown's going. Countdown ends. And when you would expect there would be a trailer, literally as soon as the countdown ended, Hassan comes out and is basically saying, hey, we're going to have to delay this. That's interesting. Like, as if that there was, like, right at the moment when the countdown ended. And so instead of ending the countdown early, right, the countdown or- ended with the announcement of a delay. <laughs> That's some theater shit. That's yeah. performance art. And then, like, and all the stuff. And I, the biggest, you know, interesting, you know, piece of evidence to me is the fact that it's getting so much love from PlayStation. Yes. Like the app thing, the yeah, fact the that it's getting promoted right, like, on their channel, like, almost as if it's, you know, a first party game. Which the PlayStation YouTube is an interesting thing where they put, they put up some weird trailers on that YouTube. It's not just first party, but you would think that. It just the the app thing is the thing that keeps sticking out to me. Like, what is that about? Can you hand me another oh, one? For sure. Thank you. Yeah, it's none of those pieces of ev- the most striking piece of evidence to me is the Karaman translation. Thing, That's awesome. Which is awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know where I stand. I would not buy this, and I don't buy. I don't think I buy this anyway. But I would not buy this if it were anyone else. But Kojima likes doing this artsy and, bullshit. And has done the like fake studio thing before. Yes, and he did. Uh, everybody remembers when the Phantom Pain was revealed, but it wasn't Metal Gear Solid Five, and people a puzzle piece the missing text in the trailer, and it was like, oh, it is Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, it's just called the Phantom Pain. Like he likes the weird reveal, and I like it too, to be honest. This reminds me so much of. When everybody thought, and I bought it hook, line, and sinker, <laughs> that Kendrick Lamar's Damn was getting a second album oh, yeah. immediately thereafter. Yeah. It's so funny because all the coincidences, like uh, Damn, which is a great album, Kendrick's last album, uh, as of right now. Yeah, most recent. Uh, he, like, a lot of the album references things that have two sides, and, like, there's a whole duality to the, not the Slipknot song, there's a whole duality to the album. Uh, and like people were rearranging the initials of the first of the first songs, and that was something. And uh, there's the line in in humble that's like this that Avion that Grey Poupon that TED Talk. Yeah. And damn is primarily a red album. The album cover's got red text, and the even like the colored edition that I have is a red vinyl. And Avion, Grey Poupon, and TED Talk have one thing in common. They all have red and blue in their logos. In their logos. <laughs> and so people were like, oh shit, it's going to be a blue album to the red album. And it, it was a really fun like week on it Reddit. Was. And it then was. it didn't happen. But I was so into that one that I'm cautious of this one. Yeah. So a situation to continue to monitor that is very fun, if only for the conspiracy alone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a good time. Speaking of conspiracies... I'm pivoting to our big topic. Okay. And I just pulled this complex article because I was inspired by all this Kojima nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was an article from Complex. Shout Uh, out. It's a pretty old article, but most of these are from older games, so it doesn't really matter. 20 video game myths, conspiracy theories, and urban legends. Oh. And this is to celebrate Halloween, so a lot of them are like horror-ish. Happy Halloween, everybody. (laughs) 
But none of them, like, not all of them are horror-specific. Okay. But there's a lot of funness in here. And a lot of stuff that I never know. So this there's, there's going to be the one from Legend of Zelda in this. Well, there's one right off the top that has to do with Legend of Zelda. Okay. Go for it. Number 20. 4chan and Majora's Mask. Okay. I don't know if I know this one. And I'm going to... Uh, trying to think of the is, guy's uh, name in Zelda. This is from Hanuman Welch. is the author of this article. Shout out. Of course we can thank 4chan for the origin story behind the legend of the haunted Majora's Mask cartridge. Okay. One 4chan user posted a story about how he came into possession of a blank N64 cartridge with Majora's Mask written across it in Sharpie. <laughs> Love this. The same user then posted photos and YouTube footage corroborating his story. Viewers discovered a completely fucked up version of the beloved Zelda title thanks to the above footage. A save file simply titled Ben. Ben, that's it. Was already on story. the cartridge, even though the user had never played the title before. That's easy enough to fake, but here's where it gets weird. Ignoring the save file, the user started a new game. No sooner had he begun his adventure when he noticed that all of the NPCs would refer to him as Ben. Weird, but nothing as definitive as being a haunted title. Probably just a glitch. Yeah. The user deleted the Ben file and began a new save file. The haunted cartridge decided, fuck that, <laughs> and began behaving like something straight out of the X-Files. The game began acting erratic. Music would play backwards for no reason, and his character was followed by a statue of the game's main character. <laughs> Somehow, the bin file was mysteriously restored with a second, more pants-shittingly ominous save file. The second file was simply titled Drowned. Now, there were two save files the user didn't create, and every time he played after their appearance, his character would simply die, and the messages, you've met with a terrible fate, haven't you, would appear on screen. Right. So that's pretty creepy. <laughs> it's not real, that's but not, it's yeah, pretty yeah. creepy. That's a copy pasta if I've ever heard one. Yes, but yeah, no, this one, uh, I, I think I first heard of this like years ago, probably not on 4chan, because my, my crossover with 4chan was very brief, Yeah. Uh, as I think most people's crossovers with 4chan are very brief, but I think this is something that comes up on Reddit every now and then and like came up on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I had Brian in my head, so I'm, I was almost there to Ben, but... Yeah, I mean, Majora's Mask is the perfect game for this kind of shit, too, because it's already so eerie and ominous. Yeah. I, I mean, I like it. I like that there's a there's a production value to this yeah. of corroborating it in quotes. That's really fascinating. Number 19. Why is a 10-year-old running around unsupervised? <laughs> Pokemon is a title a that seems to be steeped in historical conspiracies. Pokemon Red and Blue is a massive success for Nintendo, but between training your Charizard, did anyone bother to ask... Where the hell are the adults in this game? <laughs> no. Me neither. There are adults. There are plenty of adults. As Ash, you travel across... Well, I guess you could argue that the kid is running around without an adult. Oh, across, yeah, for like, sure. Across, like, a continent. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, blah, 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 blah. As Ash, you travel across Kanto with deadly, barely controllable wild animals crammed into questionable living conditions. <laughs> all right. The larger question of where all the male adults have disappeared to lends credence to the theory that Pokemon actually takes place at the end of a large scale global war, which has forced several changes in the world of the Pokemon society. <laughs> One of the biggest clues to support this theory is that both Ash and his rival Gary have no male parent figure throughout the game. Now that actually, I guess is makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I'm trying to think. I only know in one game there is a dad and that's the Emerald generation. Cause he's a gym leader. He's the fifth mm. gym leader. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I guess that's true. The trainer who sends their winnings back home are all children or very young. 
<laughs> Cops and nurses are all female, and any men you encounter are criminally minded Team Rocket. Another large clue is in the Vermilion City gym leader, Lieutenant Surge, a clearly damaged veteran. <laughs> Adding more legitimacy to this theory, right before you battle Surge, Surge states, you won't live long in combat and, quote, my electric Pokemon saved me during the war. <laughs> Alluding both to a past conflict and possibly a current war Ash may be forced to participate in. Oh, no. Did you ever go to Cracked? You ever heard of this website? I've heard of the website. Uh, this reminds me of the shit I would love reading on Cracked when I was in high school. Yeah. Uh I don't think I've heard that one specifically, but it just it gave me a nice little nostalgia trip. That's I don't think that was intentional. No, but it's plausible. Like sure, I, it makes sense in the world that we we know the the facts from. So number eighteen. I don't know if we want to go too deep into this, but it's spoilery for Final Fantasy Eight. <laughs> Uh, okay. Which I don't have any touchstone to, so I'm going to be reading this completely blind to the context. Yeah. Squall is apparently, or is actually dead for the second half of FF8. FF7 and 8 were two of the most formative titles to people of a certain age, and they can point to that as the reason modern FF titles may fall short in terms of characterization and narrative. Squall was the hugely popular protagonist Squall. of FF8. And one prevailing conspiratorial myth is that Squall is actually a ghost. At the end of Disc 1, Squall is impaled by a shard of ice while fighting a main boss, Edia. Squall comes to the beginning of Disc 2 with no wounds, and not a single other character brings up the fact that he was, you know, killed. <laughs> up until this point, the title is a fantastic game rooted in some fantasy bedrock of realism. And that shit goes right out the window after Squall gets gutted and magically re resurrected. Some hold to the theory that Squall actually dies from his wounds at the end of Disc 1. The entire remainder of the game is Squall's dream as he passes away. This would explain why the game has such an increased fantasy tone after Squall's battle. A life, a life flashing before his eyes montage reveals the above image of Squall minus a face, which reinforces Weird. the hypothesis that Squall didn't survive and the rest of the game is either a playable coma or a loop of Squall's last moments of fantasy before death. Sounds cool. Screw you, Final Fantasy. Whoa! <laughs> 17. Lavender Town Suicide Spike. Oh, Back to no. Pokemon. Now, Lavender Town is an interesting location. It is. It is. Back in 1996, shout out, year of my birth. I was one, bitch. Shout out to the Bulls. <laughs> Hang on. Brief sidebar. Yeah. 1996 was awesome. I mean, 95 was great, too. I was born. The... University of Kentucky won the national championship. They did. The Bulls won the NBA championship. Okay. And uh, Bulls on Parade came out. Oh, no. Do you think Bulls on Parade was about the Bulls championship parade? I hope so. <laughs> they saw that and like, we have our next song. Back in 96, Pokemon Red and Green were slotted in nearly everyone's Game Boy around the world. Ironically enough, the Japanese weren't a part of that statistic. When the first game dropped in Japan, it was supposedly linked to a massive spike in child suicides and illness. What? Children from the ages of 7 to 12 were either falling sick or taking their own lives outright. What? The most bizarre thing about the incident was the children did not fall ill or commit suicide until they reached Lavender Town. Many think the town's <laughs> score was the cause of the ailments. The town's specific music caused nausea and eventually suicidal tendencies in children. The music was eventually changed before it was shipped abroad. The above YouTube clip is the original score from the Japanese version of the game that was shipped overseas. The above clip is taken from the original suicide-inducing version of the game. 
Now, a lot, you got to play the clip. The links are broken on this link. Ah, okay, hold on. On this article, so I'm, feel free to search it out. It so, Lavender Town original Japanese music. I don't know. That might be the best search term. I mean, Lavender Town is creepy and sounds creepy as is in the normal version. People are investigating the binaural frequencies of this. So there you go. Be you. You are warned, I guess, if that's a real thing. I have no idea if this is picking up on the mic, by the way. <laughs> Man, it sounds like music. It sounds like Lavender Town to me. Yeah, it sounds like chiptune. So I'm not going to lend much credence to that theory as to why. Nor Clearwater, nor Revival. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't buy it. 16. Nuclear proliferation is adorable, it turns out. Braid. Oh, hey. Is deceptively simple game. in its narrative. Boy sees girl. Boys try to re- boy tries to rescue girl. Boy wears a private school uniform the entire time. <laughs> Possible spoilers for Braid coming. True. I've never played it, but I don't care. Do you know what the spoiler is? No, but I guess I'm about to find out. It's, ex- it's good. The twist comes at the end when we're not so sure that he's such a great guy and the bad guy the girl is running away from might just be you. For some, Braid, for some, Braid ends with the player catching the girl who, just as they meet, sets off a bomb a la Terminator 2. The screen goes bright and most believe this is an anti-nuclear war message. Off screen, a voice intones, now we are all sons of bitches. A quote that can be directly tied to Kenneth Bainbridge, one of the heads of the Trinity Atomic Bomb Tests. Oh, I didn't know that, Wrinkle. That's cool. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the twist of Braid is that you're the bad guy. Cool. And it's like, you think you're saving her from just the world and like this guy. I think there's another guy in it, too. But actually, no, you're the... You're you're chasing her You're the Bowser. Gotcha. It's cool. Something number 15 called Kill Switch. Okay. Kill Switch is a game that was supposedly created by Soviet gaming company Carvina Corporation in 1989. Sounds not evil in an 80s movie way at all. <laughs> we say supposedly because extremely limited copies of the game were ever produced. While gamers in the States were playing Mega Man 2, Russians were playing one of the earliest iterations of the survival horror genre. You were given the choice between a young girl or an invisible demon as playable characters. <laughs> My favorite, the two genders. Exactly. A young girl or invisible demon. <laughs> Players were meant to navigate a coal mine. But here was the rub. Upon beating the game, the entire thing would self-delete on your hard drive. Cool. An intact copy of the game turned up on eBay, where it fetched $733,000 by a Japanese man named Yamamoto Ryuichi. Raichi wanted to document his playthrough of the game on YouTube, but the only video Raichi posted was of his gentle weeping while staring at the computer screen. <laughs> awesome. That's, that's it. Now, I'm going to reference something no one will know. Great. So, there is an HBO series that no one watched that I was into as like a 12-year-old called John from Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, it was about this guy who arrived in California, and he was just there all of a sudden, and there was this mystery of, like, who's this guy? He seems to be able to, like, predict things happening and control things and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of like a lost kind of thing. Um, well, they had a field day with possibly one of the... I don't even know if it was YouTube. One of the earliest internet videos I ever remember 
was of a character member looking dead at the camera in a hotel room and like crying <laughs> and talking about John. And that just awakened that memory in for me. Now, yeah. spoiler alert, the show never ended. It got canceled. John from Cincinnati was Jesus. Oh. John from Cincinnati. Jesus fucking Christ. Or Jesus Christ. Yeah. Anyway, it was a. am sure it was terrible. I've wanted to go back and watch it to see how good it is. I'm curious. But, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, that just reminded me of that. I wonder... I'm going to look up the Rotten Tomatoes for it while you say this point. Oh, John from Cincinnati? I was just going to say about the Kill Switch thing. I wonder if that was all a ruse or if the guy just wanted to continue the myth of Kill Switch and yeah. possibly fetch a higher price for it later in True. life. Because um, I think the ideal ver- or ideal thing would be getting it to a video game historian and letting them like emulate it and, yeah. and you know sort of get the file on copy somewhere. But fifty eight percent, yeah, probably not great. Not not HBO's best work. No. Number fourteen. So you guys are Nazis in real life. <laughs> when the Legend of Zelda dropped in nineteen eighty six, it found itself mired in controversy thanks to the inclusion of a third dungeon map. Go ahead and take a look. Looks pretty familiar, right? Is it a swastika? The map was shaped like a swastika. <laughs> Oops. Parents demanded the game be pulled Oops. while the dungeon is shaped like a swastika. It's not the Nazi one. This swastika faces to the right and is actually an ancient symbol of peace in Hindu mythology. The makers of Zelda were, as it turns out, only wishing players good luck. No, Which, isn't the swastika pulled from Hinduism, right? That's, yeah, it, it, that's the where symbol it took its itself origin, predates, so. but the sort of their rotation of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So... That it makes sense that they're both from the same thing. Also, not helpful that it's the third dungeon. <laughs> true, <laughs> which is what my initial thought was. Uh, but yeah, that's very just a, true. Just a coincidence. Thirteen. A coinky dink. Blow me. <laughs> While the instruction booklet that came Should with every that. NES title explicitly instructed against blowing into your game cartridge, that didn't stop the collective youth market of the '80s from blasting their connector pins like a fluffer auditioning for the Triple X remake of Gravity. <laughs> I don't entirely what get that joke. Do you know what a fluffer is? Yeah. Okay. I don't get why it's gravity. No, I mean, yeah. Because. Blowing. They, oh. I've never seen gravity. I've not either, but I know what happens. Okay. So at some point, I think they have to, like, unhook their oxygen tube to propel them. Oh. With their air. Oh, kind of like The Martian. Yes, yeah, very the similar thing. to The Martian. Yeah, so I think that might be the joke. I haven't seen Gravity either, but I that think that happens. That makes sense. Man. Kids around the world swore that this was the only way to fix a cartridge that was behaving like a lazy speaking spell. The <laughs> Man, reason behind all the huffing and puffing had to do with the front-loading design of the NES console and the connector pins from console to cartridge not lining up. Blowing in your console usually came with an excess of moisture from all that spit in your mouth. The moisture enabled the pins to align, and thus your spitty copy of Duck Hunt ended up working. It was a short-sighted win, though. Over the years, blow damage degraded games, <laughs> and the whole thing got sorted out with the Super Nintendo's top-loading design. I like that one because it's not horror. It's, yeah. This is actually more like an actual thing. I thought it was just getting dust out of the cartridge. Yeah, that's what the pr- I would always have presumed. Yeah, because it's like compressed air getting out of a keyboard. Which would thing. also cause things to not align properly, like right. excess amount yeah, of dust. Yeah, but that's cool. I don't believe it, but if somebody <laughs> smart said it, I'd be like, alright, cool. Number 12, The Mark of the Beast. Oh. Way back in 1981, 19-year-old Jeff Daly died of a heart attack soon after posting a score 
of 16,660 in the arcade game Berserk. Nice. One year later, 18-year-old Peter Burkowski also died of a heart attack moments after cracking the Berserk top 10 high score list twice in 15 minutes. Coincidence? Probably. Some point to the mark of the beast 666 being in the score must be proof that Satan had a hand in the demise of the two teenagers. <laughs> First of all, and I've you know come from a Christian background. Yes. 16,660 is a number that is not the number 666. So I'm going to go ahead and debunk this one. Is a number. On my own. You heard it here first. <laughs> 11. This one might hit with you. Okay. Fallout 3 predicts the future. Oh. Bethesda's Fallout 3 was a marvelous post-apocalyptic RPG, but was it also capable of telling the future? Well, uh -huh. Throughout the game, players pick up radio signals in the wasteland of former Washington, D.C. Yep. The function of the radio serves as a means of broadcasting old pop songs, updating missions, and generally working to build a fuller game world. Three dog here. The device also predicts the future. Occasionally, a series of numbers, which sounds like Morse code, will be broadcast through your pet boy. The story goes that the code predicted the Deepwater Horizon oil rig disaster <laughs> right down to the day and the hour. What? <laughs> I did not know. See, I skimmed through this list earlier, but I did not read in detail because I wanted some stuff to be left for surprise, and that is surprising, alright. <laughs> Why Deepwater Horizon? I don't know. Shout out to the first episode of the, the newsroom. newsroom. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> Lord. Beautiful. Number 10. Lara Croft is totally naked. Uh-huh. One of the most prevailing urban legends surrounding games was the famously non-existent Lara Croft nude code. <laughs> Rumors began circulating that a Tomb Raider nude code existed when the first title dropped way back on the PS1. You can imagine that legions of prepubescent boys were say. scouring every source known to man to find out if there was any truth to the rumors. The internet was flooded with fake codes, but that's all they were, fake. No official nude code exists, but head over to 4chan and search Lara Croft nude and see what you get. I'm good. <laughs> there are endless mods to get Lara into her birthday suit. I have no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that does not surprise me. Why? Can you even search 4chan? I have no idea. I've never search? really perused 4chan. I looked at it a couple of times in middle school and was like, this is too dangerous for me. <laughs> uh, I will say this is definitely something born on middle school buses and oh yeah it's like oh did you know you can see her naked yeah which thinking about it now and thinking about original Lara Croft with her like polygon yeah, movies like, real turn on yeah great love that it's so funny number nine New Mexico is home to more than just area 51 in September of 1983, about 10 million unwanted Atari game cartridges showed up at the oh yeah Alamogordo landfill in e. New Mexico the reason behind the video game Mass Grave, it's historical record that in 1982, Atari's earnings in the fourth quarter were, well, abysmal. Yeah. Atari had banked on two massive blockbusters to deliver them out of the red. A home version of Pac-Man and the infamous E.T. E movie adaptation. Yeah. Five million copies of each title were returned to Atari by disgruntled fans. And what else are you supposed to do with 10 million unwanted game cartridges? Get a steamroller to crush the cartridges and then pave the whole thing over with concrete. Yeah, so they're buried. Their cartridges buried in the desert in, in uh, I guess, New Mexico. I thought it was Arizona for some reason. But, uh, yeah, this is real. That one really happened. Uh, there was There's a bit of it about it in Console Wars. Uh, great book. And then there's also a bit about it. I think the first episode of maybe the second episode. 
Netflix did a series on video games that I don't remember the exact title of, but it was like early video game stories, and this was one of them. Like that was legit. This the story was basically that one guy uh, who was like a wonder programmer started making a game for ET and then it got scrapped and then basically he had to show it to Stephen King or not Stephen King sorry Steven Spielberg yeah. and uh, it would be very weird if he showed it to Stephen King he showed it to Steven Spielberg and Spielberg was like this is cool but I want it to be more like whatever game he had he's like can it be more like Pac-Man or whatever I'm getting yeah. the story wrong but so this guy basically had to and he had like two weeks so he, he made a two week version of E.T. it was notoriously hard I'm getting a phone call for some reason uh and uh, yeah, people hated it, and it was yeah. it was terrible. But Stephen King, or that's Stephen King, Stephen Spielberg uh, enjoyed the version of it that was terrible. So he knows nothing about video games. This is another one that could get spoilery, and it's a game that I've never played, but a game that you have. Okay. Uh, and it's Portal. Hey. And I don't know if it's Portal One or Portal Two because right. I don't quite know the lore. But if yeah. you haven't played Portal One or Portal Two, I want to step out for this fan theory. I assume it's a fan theory. Yeah. Glados is actually a bound and gagged woman. Yes, so I've okay. I've heard this one. Have you ever gotten a good look at GLaDOS? This is the, yeah. Initially, she looks like a vacuum cleaner flipped upside down, just a bunch of cables and gears. But if you look closer, she kind of looks like a human being flipped upside down. Yes. Jeremy Bennett, the game's art designer, says that was intentional. Eventually, we settled on a huge mechanical device with delicate robotic figures dangling out of it which successfully conveys both GLaDOS's raw power and her femininity. Some people think she looks more like a woman who's been bound and gagged. Take a look at the above image and tell us GLaDOS doesn't look bizarrely similar to the woman on the right. Again, the links are broken in this article. Eight years old. Do you want to see this? But I'm cool to see. I'm interested. Okay, keep talking for a second. I can't really picture the way that it was described to me, how exactly it looks like a woman. But, I mean, you never know. Oh, okay. Whoa. So I've also, yeah, this is the one that I'm used to, and sorry for the uh, people listening to this, but it's just a shot of GLaDOS, and then... And it's a quick Google search away if you yeah, want to see it. Yeah, just look up GLaDOS woman hanging upside down. Uh, but yeah, GLaDOS definitely has a human look to her. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah. And so, yeah, it makes sense. Like, there's even, like, a bit of a breastplate, like, like that just looks like a person, kind of. guess I'll have to play Portal to find out. I mean, you should just play Portal. It's great. Number seven, GTA Five and the Black Dahlia. Okay. Maybe you've stumbled across whokilledlenorajohnson.com, the website in Grand Theft Auto V. The site is filled with fake newspaper stories and a trail of breadcrumbs that lead players to an in-game murder mystery, the murder surrounding Lenora Johnson. A fictional actress killed during the golden age of Vinewood cinema is based on the very real and very famous Black Dahlia case in yes. 1940s Hollywood. On one page of the site, players are directed to another murder in Los Santos. The murder of Jolene Cranley Evans <laughs> is strewn with clues on where to find Evans' ghost on Mount Gordo. Right, I've seen the ghost. At 11 p.m., players will find a ghost in the distance, and she looks like that terrifying ghoul up there. She disappears just after midnight. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's a very fleeting thing. I think it's only yeah. there for like two minutes in game. Uh, I remember this being a thing when GTA V first came out. I didn't know it was tied to the Black Dahlia, but yeah, I remember that being kind of a cool little internet thing. Yeah, I never was, and I mean, people are still searching for some weird, you know, deep conspiratorial things like the aliens and stuff. Yeah, That's the UFOs. Still ongoing, right? Yeah, I think so. There's a lot of pe things people are digging deep into in GTA. Number six, the seventh circle of hell is in World of Warcraft. No, oh. the Karazhan Crypts was a dungeon that was cut for 
was cut from developers, but it was never removed from the game. The abandoned level was, in the early days of World of Warcraft, still accessible through an in-game glitch. The easiest way to access the dungeon was die on the one side of the door that walled off the level and resurrect on the other side. Ah, the old speedrunner trick. What players found was equal parts creepy and just downright fucked up. As you made your way down hallways filled with decomposing corpses, you come across a flooded portion of the prison. As you dive deep beneath the surface, you get your first glimpse of them, dozens of corpses chained to the ceiling. A dungeon full of prisoners sentenced to death by drowning with their hands and feet cut off. Oh. Yeah, we weren't prepared for that either. Take a look at this image above and imagine finding that in a supposedly walled-off section of the game. The dungeon was scrapped by developers because they were concerned that the dungeon would give them an M rating instead of a T rating. After the Burning Crusade expansion, Blizzard built an invisible wall around the door of the dungeon. The creepiest part, they never actually took it out. It's still just sitting there inside the game. Duh. That uh, is terrifying sounding. And then I picture World of Warcraft art style, and I'm like, eh. Kind of just looks like red stuff. Yeah, just be polygons. Yeah. Number five. <laughs> and this is Also, they probably just didn't take it out because they've built expansions since then, and yeah. it would be much more work to take it out than it would be to keep it in. This is interesting to me because of the discrepancy between the title and the game that it ends up being involved with. <laughs> okay. The Mystery Figures of Hell Valley. Hmm. While Super Mario Galaxy 2... <laughs> Has been out of the better has been out for the better part of three years. Cough, cough. Like, however many <laughs> this years, is an now. old article. Twelve years, whatever. That doesn't make it any less devoid of extra creepy shit hidden in the game. In the level Shiverburn Galaxy, you can catch three <laughs> figures on the ridge of a mountain looking down at you. Anywhere on that level, if you look up and sh- and to the left, you'll find the same three hollow-eyed figures watching you. Curious gamers begin digging in the game files of Super Mario Galaxy Two and discover that the sky art for that area is called Beyond Hell Valley. No. Mario Galaxy 2 has no level named Hell Valley, and as for the figures themselves, the game files refer to them as Hell Valley Trees. Take a look at the above video. Those don't look like any trees we know the name of. Again, most of this stuff can probably be found just by searching sure, some yeah, relevant whatever search we're talking terms. About, yeah. Number four, Saddam Hussein and guidance chips for a WMD. What? In 2000, reports emerged that formerly not-dead Iraqi President Saddam Hussein was stockpiling PlayStation 2 consoles. Formerly not-dead is great. (laughs) The PS2 had been released earlier that fall, and a huge number of consoles had made their way to Iraq. More than 4,000 consoles had made their way overseas in a few scant months. The system seemed harmless, but then reports surfaced that Saddam Hussein was stockpiling the consoles for their CPU chips. Oh! The reason... The myth has something to do with making the chips work together as a strung-together missile guidance system. <laughs> After the initial freakout, people realized that, yes, you could marry all those 128-bit processors together, but the software needed for something like a missile guidance system was so far beyond anything Iraq was capable of developing that it was better to just let him um, get invaded. <laughs> <laughs> now, I assume the actuality of this was there's a rare product coming into my country and I'm going to hoard it to jack the prices up. It's very possible. Which seems like lo- lower level dictatorship, but still dictatorship. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Although I, I still love formerly not dead is yeah. an amazing, amazing way to refer to someone. So I love this next one because it pertains to the sport that we love so dearly. Okay. Number three, the Madden curse. Oh, this, Yeah. When Electronic Arts began featuring NFL stars as their cover athletes in the early 2000s, 
star players were lining up to get a slice of that free advertising. <laughs> that is, of course, until featured cover players started getting injured. For the next several years, every player that was featured on the cover got injured the following season. <laughs> sure, football is an inherently violent sport, and maybe we can leave it at that. But most NFL players are more superstitious than gypsies at a swap meet, and they'd probably be quicker agreeing with the curse than most. And this has happened more since, right? Yeah, the the Madden curse is interesting. Now, you could argue that just it's kind of luck of the draw, uh, and you're going to have ho- high-profile athletes that are getting injured. Yeah. But uh, the one that sticks out in my mind is Peyton Hillis, mm. who was the, sh- uh, the Cleveland Browns running back, who, if you remember anything about, like, early – or late 2000s, early 2010s football, wore, like, the snub nose face mask. Uh, and he was decent. I don't know why he got a Madden cover. He was fine, but he wasn't, like, killer. Uh, he, like, basically just fell off a cliff after he was on Madden. Uh, Antonio Brown is a more recent case where he was a cover athlete as a stealer and then had lots of off-the-field issues and uh, took a while for him to come back to a team, is now on the Bucks. Kind of so surprising that he's on a team. Yes, it is, because he had a lot of uh, issues like that. I think, was Michael Vick on as a, he was on as a Falcon, right? So, obviously that, like, not just injuries, but just weird Weird things happening to people. But, you know, since they've had, like, Lamar Jackson, he's been fine. They've had uh, Patrick Mahomes was was the most recent one, I think. Mahomes is on it again this upcoming one with With Tom Tom Brady. Brady, Yeah, which which, is, you know. Larry Fitzgerald was fine after he was on the one with Troy Polamalu. Uh, so it's it's hit or miss, but it is interesting that there was a string of just, like, coincidences. But, yeah, yeah. Just, I would not be shocked if players believe it, of, like, I don't want anywhere near Madden. I'm good. <laughs> Number two, Hail Satan? Uh? Question mark. Another one from Blizzard and World of Warcraft. That is, This is one of the more overt displays of Satan-flavored weirdness in a recent game. <laughs> After starting a human character, the first town you'll enter is a small place called Goldshire. In a small, normally empty house, players can find six little kids that appear at 7 a.m. on the game's server clock. Stranger still is the six little kids will stand in the shape of a pentagram as they move from <laughs> Goldshire to Stormwind. World of Warcraft players have even reported hearing high-pitched walls, whales screaming, you will die <laughs> to music that isn't found anywhere else in the game. That's pretty much it. Alright. Blizzard is weird. Yeah, they put weird stuff in their game and they realize we probably shouldn't put this in here. <laughs> People are going to make a big deal out of this. Now, number one, this is something when I started Googling around, I was like, this would be an interesting thing to talk about, like conspiracies and video games and weird yeah. stuff. This is one that I saw, there are specific articles about this. Okay. Government mind control and weaponized epilepsy. Polybius was an arcade cabinet that was released in incredibly limited numbers in the early 80s. While it's not that strange on its own, what was bizarre was how the game was only released in a few neighborhoods in the surrounding areas of suburban Portland, Oregon. Okay. Polybius would cause players to suffer vivid nightmares and in some cases suicidal tendencies. Thanks to a violently powerful strobe effect in the cabinet, players would also find themselves fighting epileptic seizures. Polybius vanished and has retired to the realm of conspiracy. Some believe the cabinet was released by DARPA, the same government agency behind MK Ultra and those killer robot videos you see all over YouTube. <laughs> Which, YouTube, come a long way. Yeah. Now it's just 
you know, angry people reacting to trailers of women protagonist led. (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) To test responses to psychoactive machines. Even stranger are reports that once a week, men dressed in black would come through and collect the data stored on the game's (laughs) memory. You can watch the video above to see what Polybius looks like with some of the command options available to arcade owners and government agents. Now, what I did see on the other articles is that this game was real. Yeah. The game existed, but all this miscellaneous stuff about it, potentially embellished. Listen, (laughs) I'm not going to say it's real because I obviously don't know. But (laughs) if you know about the shit the government has pulled (laughs) on... Well, specifically minorities in the in our history, because it's not as squeaky clean as school will tell you it is. But also, Portland is a very liberal place. True. And I would imagine that maybe that would be a decent place for them to test it out of, you know, oh, all these damn hippies are playing our video games. Uh, I don't think it's real. But could well, could that also have been potentially a place where they were maybe testing out something that could have similar weird effects? LSD. Oh. oh, you know, there's a lot of you know stuff about the you know CIA testing drugs. Yeah, on yeah, people, yeah. So. Well, LSD was like manufactured, right? It's a manufactured. I drug. don't know exactly. I'm pretty sure like a don't sci- do drugs. A kids. scientist made LSD. I'm I've never done I, LSD. Nor have I. <laughs> you said it as if I had. <laughs> I I don't I've have never done brains. A, it's that sentence. <laughs> that I've never, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, what, what is the actual... Hang thing? on. It's, I never I, said... No, I didn't say I had sex with your mom. And the thing is, if you emphasize a different word, in, or each word in that sentence, it becomes it a different, different sentence. It's like, I didn't say I had sex with your mom. I didn't, I didn't say, say I had, had sex, sex with, with your you. mom. <laughs> I didn't say I had sex with your mom. <laughs> I, I didn't say I had sex with your mom. <laughs> it's amazing it's how funny so that good. is. It really is. Uh, that broke the group for a, for a day. Because then the next 12 messages are just different iterations. With different words capitalized. And it's different because the, the worst is that you can't overcapitalize I. Yeah. It's like, I never said I had sex with your mom. Yeah. I never said I. Like, yeah. I never said I had sex with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such a good... It is Whoever good. came up with that is a genius. <laughs> oh, so Tanner, that's it for our list of video game conspiracies. Uh, that was fun. It was. Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a recommendation for this week? Uh, my recommend is going to be a symbol with care. It's just because it's a game I hadn't heard of uh, before recently. And I think it's really cute. And certain people will really, really dig it. Yeah. My recommendation is very simple. Okay. Get a second DualSense controller yes, good if you don't already have one. Good one. Uh, did you get yours yet? Yes, mine's in yeah. the living room currently. You got the black also, right? Yes. Yeah, we both got a black to complement our white. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'd say get one because it's great to just have, you know, one controller to shift in and out. Yeah, one on the charger, one you're playing yeah. with. Yeah, if you're just completely anti-red and black uh, color-wise, I'm sure they'll probably come out with some more relatively soon. Yeah, maybe... N- uh, holiday, maybe. I imagine they'll probably drop another two, like a blue and then some other wild card color. Do electric yellow. That's Black all I want. was the most obvious yeah. that they just had to put that out eventually. But yeah, it's just you know, you've anytime you get a new console and you only get the one, you're sort of biding your time until you get your second one. Yeah, both which, from, go ahead. I'm glad we both did. Yeah, because you and I both had the theory of 
do we want a second controller? No, we'll wait till new colors are out. Yeah. And we did, and I'm happy we did it. Yeah. So it's a good time now to invest yes. both for multiplayer purposes and for convenience of charging purposes. Yes. So And I think the black controller is the best It's sexy. Is the best controller they have. It looks great. It looks really good. So here's hoping they put out a custom colored uh fins for the ps5 soon pretty soon oh uh, you think you think they'll do that there was a lot and do people, the interchanging plates i've seen people like they take them off and like put car paint on them like yeah yeah people paint them for sure i don't have the you know resourcefulness or access to quality materials to do that i mean but you could do it with like spray paint and clear coat but i just, just don't makes me nervous yeah i don't have the want yeah. and the the nerves to do it i don't yeah. think which I don't think the white looks bad. No, it doesn't. What color would you make yours if you could? I don't know if I'd make it a different color, but I'd wait until there was like a cool sort of pattern, low skin. key pattern of some yeah. kind, uh, yeah. or maybe like an infamous like lightning theme sort of thing oh, would could be, be cool. cool. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, but yeah, do it PlayStation. Get some more hardware and PlayStation. Yeah, make people get more. Do more stuff at PlayStation Plus or now. Yes, that was a, that was a non sequitur, but still, <laughs> we're all asking for it. That's going to do it for episode 13. We made it through. We're like the half floor in every hotel building. We that's, survived it. That's, that's what all the iTunes reviews say. <laughs> They're like that half floor in a hotel. Next week is 4th of July. It is. According to the time that we're filming this. Yeah. So TBD about what our filming schedule will be. Yeah, we may not do an episode or I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we might celebrate our own independence uh, from the <laughs> from the podcast. <laughs> You never know. Uh, we might do something small in the week. Uh, double tapped is like the shackles of the United Kingdom. <laughs> On I, our lives. Yeah, this, we're looking at this computer monitor like King George III looked at the trees that he looked at once he got dementia in his old age. I will send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. I'm assuming this is from Hamilton? It is, yeah. Okay, never seen it. It's the best, it's the best little bit. It's stupid. Okay, I'm going to take that as a passive recommendation of Hamilton. Yeah, it's good. Until next time, whenever that may be, and we'll keep you updated. We're tapping out. (laughs)